calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You're listening to Inherited Danger, book two of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 22 Darkness no matter how powerful it may seem, can be driven back by the tiniest spark. Unknown Soldier There is perhaps a way you could travel safely to Adderhold, but I doubt very much you will like it. Before I tell you what it is, there are some things you must know. Katrin wasn't certain she wanted to hear what her grandmother had to say, for fear of more bad news. When the Jean forces attacked us, I knew we could not resist. If we had, we would have lost far too many of our good subjects. Instead, I negotiated terms that would allow the subjects of Mundelboro to remain mostly unmolested, though under Jean rule. In truth, the Jean did not wish to depose us. They simply insisted we adopt their religion and support the efforts to spread the teachings of their church. It wasn't something we wished for, but it was far less disruptive than a full-scale invasion would have been. Thus, we surrendered. The conditions of our surrender were unpleasant, and we still lost a large number of able-bodied men to conscription, but for the most part, life went on as it had before. This kept the majority of our subjects happy, and they paid the increased taxes with little protest. Things have changed since then, though. Now the Jean are demanding higher taxes and something far more sinister. They've demanded a marriage between the Mangst and Kite families. While they claim the move is intended to strengthen both lands and reduce border conflicts, it'll surely weaken Mundelboro and Lankland alike. Darkness clouded the periphery of Katrin's vision and flecks of light danced before her eyes as the words sank in, a less desirable union she could not imagine. Your cousin Lissa is to wed the youngest grandson of Arbuckle Kite, but she has defied me. I've no idea where she's hiding. This is another reason I was so wroth when you arrived. 
I make no excuses, mind you. I simply need you to understand the dire circumstances that we find ourselves in. If Lissa is not within Adderhold by the appointed time, our family will forfeit our hold on these lands. The Jean will descend upon us, and there is little we can do to stop them. The only solution I can find is to send you in her stead. The words were like a blow to Katrin's stomach, and the air left her lungs in a whoosh. She attempted to respond several times, but her tongue refused to form the words. Benjen appeared as dumbstruck as Katrin, his jaw hanging slack. You wish me to marry into the family that murdered my mother and both my aunts? She asked, finally. I've not asked it of you. I said it was the only solution that I've been able to find. I know you have no reason to love the people of Mundelboro, but it seems their fate lies with you, as your blood right would have dictated anyway. You have the opportunity to make this sacrifice for them, and they would love you for it. But, again, I don't ask it of you. This is something you'll have to take on willingly, for I'll not force your hand. If Katrin traveled under the guise of Lissa, we would gain access to Adderhold, which is our main goal, and that would put us far closer to the statue than we would have been able to achieve on our own. Perhaps this is a boon, Lil Miss, Benjen said, appearing thoughtful. Have you lost your senses? Katrin asked, appalled that he would consider it. She had no wish to be married, let alone to one of her family's mortal enemies. However, while she knew nothing of the people of Mundelboro, she did feel responsible for their safety. If for no other reason than because she felt her mother would have wanted to spare the innocent. She had been a kind and loving woman, and Katrin could not imagine her leaving thousands to die when it was within her power to save them. But the thought of sacrificing herself made her physically ill. Don't feel pressured to make your decision now, dear. But the appointed day is rushing toward us, and by the new moon we must either comply or prepare for war. I've considered offering myself up, but I've already been married, and they would surely decline. Unless Lissa finds it in her heart to return, I'm afraid we have no other options. Millie, please bring Katrin a calming elixir. She looks as if she's going to faint. Indeed, Katrin found it difficult to remain upright as she was faced with responsibilities she'd never imagined. She was but a simple farm girl. Certainly she had not the makings of a ruler, even a powerless one. Benjen came to her side and placed a hand on her shoulder. She supposed he was trying to reassure her, but it felt like compulsion, as if he were trying to persuade her to make the sacrifice. She wanted to rebel against him and her grandmother, to lash out and make them regret asking this of her. But a vision of her mother came to her. Strong and proud, she said nothing. But her eyes commanded Katrin to be noble, to take the lives of her subjects in her hands and cradle them, just as she had cradled Katrin those many years ago. And mostly she seemed to ask Katrin to do that which her mother had failed to do. 
accept the responsibility of her birthright and protect those who needed her. It seemed strange to Katrin that being born of noble blood would carry so much weight and onus. She'd always thought the nobility leached off those who worked the land, but now she saw an equally daunting encumbrance. Perhaps the true role of those with power was to serve those who toiled for the sake of their brethren. No longer did the scales seem to tip in favor of the nobility. Now they seemed to almost balance one another. The common people needed the nobility as much as the nobles needed them. Like the cycle of life itself, if one component failed, all would perish. Ignorance had been so much easier to bear. It's my duty to protect those who cannot defend themselves. And if that means I must sacrifice myself for the greater good, then so be it, she said, before the courage to utter the words left her. She hadn't known what kind of reaction to expect, and, in truth, she hadn't even taken the time to consider how her words would be received. But the sobs that racked her grandmother's feeble form nearly made her weep. You are truly my granddaughter her grandmother said when her emotions subsided. I couldn't be more proud of you, and I know your mother would approve. You have her strength and the beauty of her heart, Benjen added. She would indeed be proud, just as I am. Their words would have warmed her soul, if not for the icy fear that threatened to consume her. She trembled as she imagined herself surrounded by those who'd attempted to kill her when she was only a babe. They must be monsters, these kites, and she envisioned herself within their house, like a lamb surrounded by hungry wolves. The visions terrified her, and she nearly fled. It would be so much easier to disappear into the masses, to become anonymous and unimportant as she had been when she was just the daughter of a horseman. Perhaps, she thought, that was what Lyssa had done. Deep in her heart, she knew running away would bring her no happiness. Images of those she failed would haunt her, not the least of which would be her father, the man who had taught her right from wrong, who had instilled his values in her, and who had trusted her to do what needed to be done. She could not let them down. Her conscience simply would not allow it. I don't know if I'll be able to neutralize the statue, but I still plan to try. The marriage is within my power, and despite my misgivings, I will do it. I set out to save as many people as I could, and though this is not how I intended to do it, it serves the same purpose. Perhaps, with the luck of the gods, I'll find a way to achieve both, she said. You are a courageous young lady, Millie said as she approached with a lightly steaming mug that she held in trembling hands. Your bravery makes me proud to serve your family. Here, sip this. It will help to calm you. Thank you, Millie. But no, I need my wits about me, Katrin said. Millie nodded and downed the contents of the mug in only a few gulps before she walked away, looking dazed. I'll not hold you to your word, Katrin. 
for I feel you should take the rest of the day to consider carefully. You may return to me on the morrow, her grandmother said, and it was obvious that her words were a dismissal. Millie led Katrin and Benjen back to their apartments, and not a word was spoken. It seemed no one would try to influence Katrin one way or another on this matter. Secretly, she prayed Lissa would arrive and relieve her of the burden. In the days that followed, Katrin firmed her resolve, and Lissa remained absent. Though she'd never met her cousin, Katrin began to loathe her. What kind of person could abandon her responsibilities? The fact that Lissa was said to resemble Katrin in almost every physical way did not sit well with her, and she resented someone else bearing her likeness, but not her morals. Millie had taken to dressing Katrin every morning, and each day brought a new affront. Frilly dresses and lace-trimmed petticoats were an anathema to her. She was uncomfortable no matter how hard she tried to get used to the attire she was expected to wear. She knew she could not arrive for the wedding dressed in her leathers and homespun, but in the evenings she often donned them for the solace they brought her. It was on one of those occasions that she suddenly grew panicked as she realized the gilded box that held her noonstones was missing. She could not bear to think of Millie as a thief, and she supposed they might have fallen out when her garments had been taken for cleaning. Benjen was nowhere about, and her anxiety increased when she realized her staff was also gone. After a frantic and futile search of the apartments, she sat down and cried. The stress overwhelmed her, and she hugged herself in an effort to stave off a massive wave of depression. Her entire life was in disarray, and she could no longer take it. The fact that she needed to leave for Adderhold in the morning helped not at all. When Benjamin and Millie entered all smiles, she did what she could to hide her distress. But it was of no use. Her anxiety was plain to see. I've lost my staff and my stones, she managed to say. I know you're upset, little miss. But everything is going to be fine, I promise you, Benjamin said. Right now, I want you to take a deep breath and dry your eyes. We need to visit with your grandmother. I need to change back into something more suitable, Katrin said, and her face flushed with embarrassment. You look just fine to me, Millie said, and, taking Katrin by the arm, led her from the room. Millie propelled her through a number of halls that Katrin had never walked before, and she began to get a cold feeling in her stomach. She couldn't have been more surprised or more mortified to be led into a cavernous hall filled to capacity with well-dressed strangers. At the far end of the hall, behind a table laden with fine foods and colorful pitchers, sat her grandmother. Beside her waited a single vacant chair. Unerringly, Millie's course led to that chair. Every eye was upon her. Katrin felt vulnerable, and she wished for Benjen to sit beside her. Instead, he stood directly behind her in the ceremonial role of her guardian. His presence was one of the few things that kept her from crawling under the table to hide. 
Her grandmother's warm and welcoming smile was another. Why did you let me come dressed like this? She asked Millie with an accusing look. It'll be good for them to see you as you are. These are good people. They'll not judge you poorly. Most are simple folk, and your attire may very well endear you to them even more. Don't be embarrassed. You're beautiful no matter how you dress, and these people owe you a great debt. They've come this day to honor you. Citizens, the Lady Manx said in a bold voice that carried across the hall, and a hush fell over the assemblage. I present to you my granddaughter, Katrin Volker Mangst, daughter of the late Elsa Mangst. The crowd raised a cheer, and Katrin was honored by the use of the Mangst name, though it sounded foreign to her ear. At the same time, she was honored that her grandmother had chosen to use the Volker name as well, a show of respect for her father. She blushed furiously as the crowd erupted in a cheer, and some even called out her name. The Lady Katrin has offered herself for service to her land and her people, and she will depart on the morrow for Adderhold. This statement was met with less enthusiasm, and Katrin assumed the people knew she was to wed a kite. But this day bears another significance, one that I think Katrin has forgotten under the weight of her responsibilities. On this day, the Lady Katrin reaches her majority, and I ask you to celebrate with us. A deafening roar erupted in the hall, and Katrin's knees nearly buckled. She'd forgotten, and the sudden remembrance nearly overcame her. She had dreamed of this day for years, but all of her visions had included her father. He was supposed to be there, to accompany her as she left childhood behind and entered the world of adulthood. His absence brought her physical pain, and only the reassurance of Benjen's hands on her shoulders prevented her from breaking down completely. One and all, raise your glasses and join me. Drink to the honor of this brave and glorious child as she begins her new journey. A great clatter followed as people in the room held their goblets aloft. To Katrin! They shouted on her grandmother's cue, and Katrin could no longer contain her tears. Never before had she been given such an honor, and the significance of it was not lost on her. Quietly, in the shelter of her mind and soul, she thanked her mother and father for bringing her into this world. And, in that moment, she felt them with her. The vision of them raising a glass to her brought her strength and she stood on shaking knees. I thank you, one and all, she said, and the room shook as the crowd chanted her name. Her grandmother stood by her side and gave her a smile. Let us feast, she said, and the room was filled with the sounds of revelry. Food and drink were served to Katrin first, and she declared it the finest feast she had ever attended, which was not an embellishment. Roasted duck was served alongside glazed ham and sugared beets. The finest wine filled her goblet, and it gave her a heady rush as she drank it too quickly. No one was denied their fill, and liveried servants rushed to fulfill the whims of every guest. 
Amid the din, Katrin turned to Benjen, tears welling in her eyes. Thank you, she said. I'd not forget such a day, and I know your father would give anything to be here. I can only hope that I can fill the void in some way, he said, and she took his hand in hers. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for always being there for me, she said, as she squeezed his hand softly. After the sweets were served, musicians played merry tunes, and every member of the crowd lined up to greet Katrin. Many approached with trepidation, but Katrin decided to discard all propriety, and she embraced each of them as if they were family. She hugged, kissed, laughed, and cried with them, and in doing so she won their hearts completely. They lavished her with gifts of flowers and gems, and Millie stood behind her, taking each gift and treating it as if it were the most valuable treasure. The table became a monument of their gratitude, and Katrin could hardly believe their generosity. Behind her was amassed more wealth than she had ever expected to see in a lifetime. It was a young boy who gifted her with the finest thing of all, though, and his gift came in the form of a request. Will you dance with me? he asked, and his cheeks flushed with excitement, and his mother appeared mortified by his bold request. She grabbed him by the arm and scolded him, but Katrin smiled and spread her arms wide. I would be honored, she said, which brought a shocked look from the boy's mother and a beaming grin from the boy. What is your name, sir? I'm Carid Winsicker, Lady Katrin. You honor me, he said as seriously as if he were courting her, which brought a prideful smile to his mother's face and the crowd erupted as Katrin allowed him to whirl her around the center of the hall. The musicians played a joyous tune with a fast tempo, and soon everyone in the hall danced. It was the most wonderful night in Katrin's life, and she wished it would never end. When Carid was exhausted, he bowed to Katrin and thanked her for the dance, but before he could walk away, she kissed him on the cheek. He blushed and held his hand over the spot where she kissed him, and as he ran to his mother, she beamed at Katrin. Benjen remained at his place behind her seat, and Katrin led him to the dance floor. He surprised her completely. He danced wonderfully. You never told me you could dance. It's a closely guarded family secret, he replied, as he whirled her through the crowd of dancers. Like all good things, the celebration had to end, and as the night grew long, the crowd began to disperse. When all the revelers were gone, Katrin rubbed her aching feet and stifled a yawn. The servants cleared the remnants of the meal, and only Katrin, her grandmother, Benjen, and Millie remained in the hall. You're an amazing woman, Katrin, her grandmother said, and the title did not escape her notice. I was afraid our subjects would reject you, but in a single night you made them your own. I believe they'd follow you anywhere. With that, she bade them a good night and retired to her chambers, obviously taxed by all the excitement. Benjen and Katrin followed Millie back to their apartments, and she closed the door behind herself as she left. 
Katrin was about to seek her bed when Benjen emerged from the other room, looking like the cat that had caught the bird. He carried her staff behind his back and approached her. Before you go off to sleep, there's one more gift for you. This is from your grandmother and I, he said, as he presented the staff to her. She was uncertain why he would gift her with her own staff, but then she saw the noonstones gleaming in the eyes of the serpent. I hope you don't mind. I knew you needed some way to have the stones accessible, and this seemed fitting. Indeed, it was as if the staff had been waiting for the stones, and together they completed the whole. It's perfect, she said. That concludes this episode of Inherited Danger. Thank you for listening. For the latest news and new releases, be sure to check out patioracket.com.